Welcome to the Nerdoplexy Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. That's C4. Not only will it turn this house into dust, but it will also separate every part of you from every other part of you. (laughs) And joining us on this one is our own social media, Matuzik. It's Dave. I don't bake cookies for a living. So sit back, relax, and grab your uh, fucking callback box as we dive into Time Cop. (laughs) Starts off so aggressive. I love it. Yeah, no, well, this one you've got to be. It's a Van Damme, and this one, baby, it lets you know it's an R movie right up front. Van Damme, it's good. Claude Damme, it's good. (laughs) Claude Damme, it. This one was released September 16th. Hey, that's my birthday. 1994, directed by Peter Hyams, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, Mia Sarah, Ron Silver, and Bruce McGill. So Peter Hyams, director of this movie, has done a couple of movies. He did The Relic, but a movie that he did that if you haven't seen, and I totally forgot about this movie until I was looking on that IMDb, but he directed a wire fight Three Musketeers movie called The Musketeer, and it's dope. If you haven't seen it, you should absolutely check that thing out. Is that the one that's focused around D'Artagnan? Yeah. So good. It's like a young D'Artagnan. They're all doing all kind of flips and shit. I like all Musketeer movies, basically. But this one, it's probably not even remotely close to any kind of actual fencing, but they're doing the most. Very cool, very fun. Lots of wire flips and slices. This one, I haven't seen probably since the first time I watched it, but it was certainly in my pop culture mind space. A lot of this stuff sticks out for me. I think this was a blockbuster rent for me. And I'm guessing that I must have saw this at a friend's house or something like that. Because I can't imagine I watched this with the family, especially because 11 minutes in, there is a like pretty serious sex scene. It's graphic. The porn parody is time c- It was always time c- And I have to say it now because I can't let anybody else take it away from me. <laughs> It was Time Cock is and will always be Time Cock. Of course. So when was the first time that you guys saw this movie? Yesterday. Or had you seen it before? I saw it in the past. I haven't seen it in the future. Right. I remember the big hits, right? I remember House Explosion, Pregnant Wife Dead. That and the goop, and we'll get to the goop. I remember the goop. I remember the split in the kitchen and the trailer scene when he mows down the Confederates. Those are the three touch points, but they played heavily in my mind. Those kind of like three moments, especially the idea of like taking machine guns back to the Civil War. I don't know why I became fixated on that idea, but I thought about that a lot. Yeah, that was sick as hell. This is fresh for me. I had no even inkling of what the plot could possibly be. So I I was kind of coming at this fresh as well. This makes, I think, our fourth died in the wool action star flick, right? I mean, we did Punisher, Dolph Lundgren, Sylvester Stallone, and arguably Kurt Russell, Big Trouble Little China, and then this, JCVD himself. The muscles from Brussels. We're crossing off the list. We're not going to see Schwarzenegger until he's Mr. Freeze. Well, he's coming up. I think that's 96. Something like that, 95, 96. He's on the way. Is that the Batman with the nipples? Well, if you know the past, maybe you know where a big old shipment of gold is, perhaps in 1863, Gainesville, Georgia. If you have maybe two machine guns, you could shoot a bunch of boys carrying some Confederate gold. Yep. (laughs) It's it's a cool opening. Did we mention Sam Raimi produced this? Oh, he did. I did not know that. No, I didn't know that. Pretty solid. Anyway, we started in 1860s Georgia. There's a toothless gentleman with big old machine guns. He's missing one tooth. Well, you know. He's not toothless. Where do you draw the line? (laughs) With no teeth. It's no teeth. Toothless means no teeth. So you say one toothless. Less toothed. (laughs) A less toothed individual. (laughs) There's got to be a word for it. A sparsely toothed gentleman. Anyway, he's He's looking for- like 99%. Okay. He's mostly toothed. There you go. I'm happy with that. That's way more positive. I dig it. As a mostly toothed man, he's trying to get some General Lee gold, and he uses his future guns to get it. We're doing time crimes here. I wish they would have done a blurb that said, like, that gold was, like, lost at sea or something. Because if they're just stealing gold, and then that gold was lost, like, yeah, okay. The plot is there's the time ripples or whatever that we'll talk about later. 
I feel like this would be a pretty big fucking time ripple. Massive. We have to ask yourself some real time travel questions here, Reed. I got lots. Maybe that always happened. That gold never got to General Lee. I wish there would have just been a blurb explaining the fact that that gold would have never had made it. Yes. Like maybe the trail collapsed. They all died on the way. Right. It was buried in an avalanche or the the boat sank or fucking whatever. So much easier to do like Aztec treasure or something, you know, instead of going to General Lee. But obviously it's much cheaper to get some old Civil War uniforms and horses than it is to get stacks and stacks of actual gold. And you could just say that there's gold. It's a cool scene in a guy with two little machine guns kills like six Confederate guys. Cause like, yeah, like he would. They got muskets and it's raining. That shit ain't gonna work anyhow. But now we're back in the present day, 1994. October 10th. I was wondering when we were starting this movie when the far flung future days were going to be. And it's strange to me that they only did 10 years. 2004. It's strange to me that they thought that the mullet was going to stick around that long. It was going to come back, I think they thought. He doesn't start with the mullet. He knows in 94, the mullet's a no-go. 2004, mullets are big time. (laughs) That's where he keeps all his cybernetics. His clip-on mullet. This is the same problem as the Sylvester Stallone's movie, where they didn't go far enough forward. Exactly. It's too soon. It's only 10 years. It's a totally normal world. And then all of a sudden, they've got future tanks that drive around. What the fuck are those cars? You're running risks no matter what. So 2004, they didn't really have cell phones yet as big as they are now. So maybe they were right. You can go too far into the future and then people are wondering like, you know, how come they didn't advance enough? I guess the reasoning is, is because 10 years is feasible to give Jean-Claude Van Damme a different haircut and it'll make him look a little bit older. Yeah, that's true. Because like 20 years, he wouldn't be able to look either 20 years younger or 20 years older convincingly. There's a lot of time travel problems I have with this. I suspend disbelief and I'll say up front, what a fun ride. You don't need to overthink the whole timeline stuff because it's just a time travel movie. And we get a quick briefing right up front. A Senate Oversight Committee is getting a briefing that some crazy scientist has in fact invented time travel and they need to create a time enforcement commission, the TEC, to make sure no one does anything nefarious. And they know right away that the gold has been stolen because some gold has turned up in an arms deal with like Iranians or whatever that has been able to be carbon dated to the fucking 1800s. I was so mad when that happened. And it says right on there, 1863. Yeah, and IMDB gets in that ass and they tell you, (laughs) yeah, You can't carbon date gold bullion one, two, if it moved forward in time, it wouldn't have had a chance to age. It was never alive gold bullion and therefore can't be carbon dated. I watched it curmudgeoningly and then I turned my brain off a little bit for this movie because I started getting just annoyed. It like just starts off with inconsistencies. And then I was like, if I watch this annoyed, I'm going to be annoyed the whole time. And then I loved it after that. You have to make negotiations with yourself in a movie such as this. But anyway, that guy with the exaggerated Southern accent in that Senate hearing, none other than Wyndham Earl. Oh, yeah. Twin Peaks. <laughs> oh, shit. The completely terrible season of Twin Peaks. <laughs> That's really funny. Yes. So they tell you, though, in this hearing that you can go backwards, but you can't go forwards. If you can go back and then go forward. That made me mad, too. It's like. Time travel would have to cease to exist after today for me to not be able to go into the future. No, I gotcha. I gotcha. So the basic idea, you don't go back to the future. There's a comic, and I read a little bit of the theory there, and it kind of explains it. Because you basically break the time barrier and shoot your ass into the past. And the little box that Jean-Claude Van Damme, when you go there... That doesn't send you back to the present. It keeps you from being sucked back. Think about it like throwing a ball up in the air. Mm -hmm. So when you throw the ball up in the air, after you've been thrown, the ball doesn't have to do anything to go back down. It's pulled back down. The little box just keeps it at the top of the arc for long enough. So that's why you click the button and they go and get sucked back. I feel like as soon as you've completed a good time machine, as soon as you've invented it, you'll know it works because people will immediately start to pop out of it. 
trying to kill you to stop you from doing it. I've come here to kill you so that and destroy <laughs> this so this can't happen. Like that's immediately what's going to happen. Yet again, it's best to try not to think about the actual physics at work here because it ain't that. I took a sip and I enjoyed. There you go. <laughs> All of my worries were put at ease basically immediately because we joined Mia Sarah here as Melissa Walker. She's walking through the mall and it's about as cute as can be. We have a little meetup with Jean-Claude here, Max Walker. In front of the bull of a clock advertisement. A lot of clocks. Yeah, it's a little clock scene. Because of time. A lot Because of, of time. Yeah. Yeah. Time clock. <laughs> it's just a clock. You don't have to beep that. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that one's fine. That one's fine. It's very good. Very cute scene. And then even cuter, perhaps, Jean-Claude stops a robbery in progress. And um, if I may, a little skate cute. <laughs> I thought you were going to go feet cute. Meat skate. It, <laughs> he stops a, a rollerblading ruffian robber meat boot with a very high <laughs> kick it's definitely meat boot because he makes him read the bottom of his boot and then in between the lines he does do that before that the cute thing is he sneaks up on me Sarah and he says there's never enough time never enough for what to satisfy a woman so that's good <laughs> Imagine Ferris Bueller saying that to Sloan. I don't think so. She also absolutely slays him by making fun of his English. Smart kid. He read my mind. With your English, he doesn't have much choice. Hey, I know all the good words. I'm really glad they did that up front. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Now, there's a later scene where there's a character fielding, and she says that she could care less if Jean-Claude Van Damme likes her. And I thought it would have been so great if Jean-Claude Van Damme could have corrected her and be like, Actually, it is couldn't care less, you know, since he can't speak because she talks about how good she is at talking. It is fine either way. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's wrong, but it's fine. Both are accepted. Colloquialisms don't need to be. No. Come on. Because it, it doesn't make sense. So no. No, it's like a sarcasm. Like I, I could care less, but I don't. They're both fine. Which means you do care. Syntactically makes sense. And Negative. both mean the same thing. Negative. No, usually I'm the pedantic one on this, but they're both right. They're both fine. Negative, Dave. I could care less means I care. It's supposed to be sarcastic. Like, I could care less. I could care less. Like, but I don't. But I do care. But I don't care less. I could care less. Which means you care. They both work. They're no, fine. they super that, don't. They, <laughs> they super they, don't. They both do. They super they both don't. Do. They I'm both glad it's the same thing. They super don't. <laughs> no. You're good, Dave. <laughs> Couldn't care less means I care at the minimum. There's no less that I can care. I couldn't. I couldn't care. I could care less means I care some. I care some. I could care less. I could care less. Just saying it doesn't make it accurate. Well, that's how you have to say it. If I say it, I could care less. That's still wrong. Well, that's what it means. You could care less, but you don't. Which means you do care. But you don't. You you don't care. Which means you care. I don't care less because I care some. The Britannica Dictionary says they could both be used and they're both fine. That doesn't make it right. Yeah, it has the opposite meaning if you say I could care less. I hope we it stay on this for the next hour and 20 less. minutes. There's a reason why <laughs> the word not has meaning. <laughs> not in this context. You can't say that it doesn't have meaning just because people say it colloquially. No, not in this context. Yeah, in the context, the word not, come on. I could care less. <laughs> Which means you care. And I couldn't care less about that either. That makes sense. They both made sense. No, they didn't. There's another phrase that's the same thing, and they're they are both. Yeah, you're you're fine. you're irregardless over here. Just because they added it to the dictionary doesn't make it right. Well, no, that's, that's, that's just incorrect. Like, that's just wrong. That's just. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. No. Ear means not like without. So you can't say that. Whatever. <laughs> it's not funny anymore. But you're wrong. <laughs> I could care less is absolutely useless as an indicator of how much you care because the only thing it rules out is that you don't care at all, which is exactly what you're trying to convey. Anyway, Pompadour people uh, watch on as Jean-Claude Van Damme sticks his boot up to that would-be robber. They catch a glimpse of some but earringed individuals. She asks if he'll have to travel. He says, not the way you think. And then they, yeah. 11 minutes in, Jean-Claude's booty. Jean-Claude Van Damme, you can see his ass. <laughs> and lit candles, may the two never meet. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> I will say that for being this early in the movie, 
This is a little much. This is a little much right up front. Mm, it wasn't enough. It was pretty heavy handed. <laughs> it was good. I mean, like, hey, Latino shade. But also, there was no ramp up or anything from the mall to Jean-Claude's booty. From six to midnight to keep it in time. <laughs> I'll give him props because there's a little something for everybody in this one, in this sex scene. Some Jean-Claude, well, Mia Sarah, everybody's taking turns here. Some weird tongue stuff, though. Jean-Claude was doing some weird tongue action that really was off-putting. That's where you draw the line? Yeah, his tongue work. Needed to reel it back. Is there someone off stage screaming, more tongue stuff? No, weirder. Get weirder. More tongue, please. John, can I speak with you? Yes. Were you not talking? I was saying more tongue. I was saying more tongue. Longer. Listen to me. Listen to me. Long as hell, baby. I want to see a tongue silhouette. Let's try it again. Take 10. Let's go. Anyway, me and Sarah has something important to say to Jean-Claude Van Damme. And the coolest thing he does is say, like, can't you just wait till I get back? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. It's it's extremely obvious that she has something very important to say. So we'll just wait. Just wait till I come back. We'll just wait. Can you wait? He gets immediately punished for it because he opens the door and gets fucked up. Yeah, he gets a sucker kicked to the face. Yeah, he gets his ass beat. Then he gets shot. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so he gets beat up. He has to go to work, but gets worked on instead. Oh, nice. Guys, I was worried about this one because we had just watched The Crow, and I was like, are they going to do something terrible to her? And then, I mean, they blew her up. You get the indication that they are in the process of. But then within seconds of seeing a guy like grab her from the window, immediately the house explodes. So did all of those guys get blown up too? No, they hit their little time button. They may have warped away. Because they're the same bad guys later. I do have a note here that says, I'm guessing we'll be coming back to this scene later. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. what we did. All right, so let's get into it right now. If you haven't seen it yet then you obviously don't care and if you have seen it then you're gonna know what we're talking about so in this first round because this is round one i was assuming at first that these goons were just after walker because he's a cop but later we're given to believe that these goons have been sent back in time now in this first round is there a 10 years ago walker in the house or is he totally out of this round i think he's out of this round walker prime is the only thing that's constant okay. for time travel so he doesn't go back in time yet so we're on his timeline yeah walker prime timeline walker prime okay that's good that's a good yeah walker prime is a good way to prime line prime, the prime line we're on the prime we're line. walker in the prime line <laughs> this is bad i'm sorry <laughs> okay so we skip ahead now. We we see him. The house blows up. He's there. He's been shot, but he's he he survived because he's wearing his vest. He got dressed for work, which is what saves him. We're now skipping to the past. It's Wall Street, nineteen twenty nine. They put an exact date, which I guess is probably the day after the stock market crashed or whatever. I didn't look it up. Don't give a scoot, but couldn't care less. Suicides do appear to be a trend. <laughs> But this one particular stockbroker has got some future business with him. It's a newspaper from 2004. The old back to the future bit. He's picking up stocks that survived and betting the house. And then it's not long after he's looking at his charts. He's doing some circling in the thing. And whoops, a doves. It's his old partner, Max Walker, time cop, come to collect him. And this scene is why I think the whole universe revolves around this walker because he remembers his partner but when they get rid of his partner no one remembers him he has all of the memories of everything of all the different like ripples that he sees but he loses friends then he has to get them back and then one guy gets shot up later and then he comes back it's like oh you're not dead that's good (laughs) yeah Uh, so I, i that's why i think like he is the center of the universe It must be because the rules about what you remember or what you don't remember seem a little loosey-goosey. If you go on the trip, you remember. Everything else gets rippled. Well, there you go. So he comes back and has to adjust every time. That would be a weird job because what they're allowed to do as time cops is go back and make minor changes so that there isn't a ripple. There is not normally a ripple. That's not like the regular TEC way of doing things. Like Walker goes back... He gets Atwood. Yeah, they sense the ripple. He brings Atwood back, and everybody is on the same prime line. 
they remember sending him back to get Atwood, and then Atwood is just killed immediately. I think the thing that's different is that the specific events revolving around 1994. So I think if it is something that affects your personal timeline, you would not remember. So the normal time crimes they fix involve Confederate soldiers or stockbrokers from the 1920s. So when he comes back, that hasn't directly affected their lives. But when later the bad guys start messing with the timeline as a whole and huge major events, those big ripples affect everybody. That's when I would say there's uh, there's Walker Nexus danger. Right. Wow. Very good. <laughs> there's a lot of overlap between the TEC and the TVA of Loki fame. These two agencies seem to operate in basically the exact same way, except the TEC doesn't actually super repair things always, even when they stop the thing. It still makes changes. Well, they have ripple levels like four and five are like really high ripple levels. They're trying to get it back down to like a a one or a two. They're never going to get it to no ripple. Yeah. To illustrate, Walker has to go back, get Atwood. We find out Atwood's in the pocket of a politician. Macomb. Macomb. But he's not willing to admit to that because Macomb will erase him and his whole entire family. So whenever Walker gets him back, he gets put on trial. He's not willing to testify against Macomb for that reason. They sentence Atwood to death, and Atwood's death is being returned to the timeline where he was as he had just jumped out of a building so that he would continue to fall and actually die. And get a glib Irish cop say something terrible. For a bastard, tomorrow might have been a brighter day. People saw him jump out a window, and they saw him warp away, and they were freaked out. But to fix that and make it not be a ripple... They put him back to whenever they sentence him to death, they send him right back to the exact time and he still does die. Unfortunately, even if you would have gone against Macomb, they would have had to still send him back because the ripple of someone disappearing from space would have been unacceptable or they would have had to kill someone else. But we do get our first glimpse of Walker Prime in 2004 and uh, he has a stellar mullet. We mentioned it, but it's said that that's partially influenced by Wolverine's hair from the comics. So, uh, you know. That's cool. Keeping us all comic adjacent. I want to circle back to what Dave said. I don't know that the ripple in that specific event would be too large because how many people saw the man actually disappear? Who was like looking at that moment? Like the cop did. And then what? Maybe a couple of the people. Would they ever believe that? That's true. As opposed to changing, like basically assassinating Bill Gates. Right. Like that would affect a lot. That's like everybody's affected. That's like a four or five. A handful of guys in 1920, it's not like they can tweet about it. It's not like they had a video of it. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. One time I saw a guy jump out of a building and he absolutely disappeared, never hit the sure. ground. Like, okay, Gramps, cool. <laughs> sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you said, uh, they, they executed that guy. So there's like a secret tribunal time court. And if you do time crimes, <laughs> they'll execute you. They'll just kill you. They are efficient. You know what they say, don't do the time crime if you can't. Do the crime time? Don't do the time crime if you can't do the crime time. Walker has a kind of a playful banter with the director of the TEC, uh, Matusik. 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 Lorenzo Music. And I was so happy that Matusik doesn't turn out to be a dick. Well, Bruce Miguel, the actor that plays him, he often plays the asshole. And I was very excited for him here to have not to play like the shitty guy their banter's like kind of fun i thought for sure it was gonna be the twist that he was like he can't buy me and then like five minutes later like ah he bought me yeah and then when they introduced fielding i was like oh those two are gonna fuck (laughs) that's what i thought too and then when it turns out fielding was bought and she was internal affairs like oh man that was a cool twist and they didn't give me enough time with it they they were like fielding i'm really good at this and then i'm also an asshole right Immediately after they sentence Atwood to death and he does get sent back to that time where he falls to his death, Macomb is coincidentally perusing the TEC facilities and talking about defunding it because what we know to be true is that he wants to have that time travel capability and he doesn't want anyone else to be able to do it or police him. Mm -hmm. During this whole time, though, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Walker is antagonizing him so hard. Oh, my God. Like, hey, I know that you're behind all this. 
and I'm going to come for you, you know, just constantly like, yes. And I always get my man and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is not the dude you want to be antagonizing. Couldn't you have done just as well to not let him know that, you know, and then get him that way. That's like terrible police work. McComb is also like being extremely obvious that he's the mastermind. Like anyone would be like, whoa, hey, hey, Senator, why are you why are you covering this guy so hard? What's this all about? Seems like you know a lot about this very particular case. How do you know about that? Seems like you guys are both really going at each other. And I think that Walker knows something about you. And you know that he knows something about you. That's what I'm getting from this exchange. <laughs> <laughs> it's really direct. And Macomb makes no secret of the fact that he wants to shut down the TEC. He's running for president at this time. And one of his main kind of things is McComb wants to shut down the TEC. He says they're dangerous. He even said, like, why don't you just go back in time and get rid of the time travel as a possibility, which was his way of saying that he could be the only one that can do it. Basically, this is not like a secret thing where you uh, who who's the real bad guy. It's just like, oh, it's you, huh? Uh, you've got a pretty evil goatee, huh, Ron Silver? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ron Silver. Great bad guy. Or used to be because he's dead. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus. we come to find out here, right, that Walker is good friends with Matuzik. Matuzik invites him to come eat dinner at his place, but Walker would rather go home and revisit the past, which he's probably must have been doing for the last 10 straight years. But he goes home. That's all. I mean, you know, whatever. It takes a long time to, to get over that kind of a loss. But he tunes into his favorite show, Dead Wife TV. Which seems like a cute video at first, right? It's a video of like his wife putting together a birdhouse, mm -hmm. but it quickly turns into like amateur voyeur exhibitionist porn. A sex tape. It's like feet stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is why he's watching this video. It's not because he wants to revisit the birdhouse. Also, like he drinks a whole fifth of whiskey or whatever, and he still is ripped. That dude works out all the time. That's muscle fuel right there, baby. <laughs> There's like a moment when it turns into like a sexual encounter. And I was having a really hard time reading what emotion was on Jean-Claude's face there. And it, it was pretty off-putting. I got to be honest. <laughs> it was very wholesome. And then it took a serious turn. Luckily, they cut away immediately. So, okay. Walker's sleeping. Set the scene. Walker's sleeping. It's the dead of night. Someone has snuck into his apartment. The TV is going on. We get a brief blurb about the fucking white supremacist political party. Woof, getting federal funding. We get a little audio cue. When Walker opens the door, it says, There are no new messages. And then we hear in the dead of night, There are no new messages. Uh-oh, red dot on his head. He feels it with his time powers. The warmth of the dot. The warmth of the dot. He narrowly escapes. And then we get a couple of different fight scenes. The first one is a knife fight. The worst knife fight. Well, okay, maybe the other guy's doing a whole lot. Walker is employing the Jack Burton knife technique where you just hold the knife like an ice cream cone. Upside down, right side up. Upside down, right side up. It's a Mr. Miyagi thing. He blocks every single knife thrust and doesn't have to do a damn thing. And then there's a high kick. A nice jump split with dangling testicle action. <laughs> oh, baby. And I wrote here okay. that... He's only doing half of the acting this movie. That mullet is doing most of the work for him in these oh, fight definitely. scenes. That thing is flipping up. It's flipping back. It's, I mean, that's where my eyes were fixed the whole time. It does draw the eye. It does, indeed. That and his testicles. It, it, it... <laughs> I didn't see any testicles. I mean, much like the mask, Sam paused it right there. Yeah, you don't see them, but you know they're there. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like uh, footprints in the sand. <laughs> right. Well, he uses his patented Jean-Claude superpower, which is the splits, to do some splits onto the counter to escape a watery 50,000 volts. 50,000 volts, motherfucker. He gets out of the way. This is another one of the trailer scenes. It's his big move to continue the run of Nerdoplexy movies that, well, maybe not movies in this case, but characters who've inspired Mortal Kombat characters. Oh, Johnny Cage. Continuing that run, Jean-Claude is a like one-to-one -one for Johnny Cage. If he'd done a split and punched a guy in the nuts, then it would have been like... He has done. Question, Just are we doing Street Fighter? Is that on the list? It's Bloodsport. I hope so. It has to have comics, right? I guess. It'd have to. Probably. It's the same year. If it's the same year, then no, I don't know that it's on the list, but we can certainly add it. Yeah, there's Street Fighter comics. Hell yeah. Add to the list. For me, that's a Tuesday. 
Jean-Claude uses his mullet powers to defeat all the bad guys. And then we get a little tour of the facilities. We meet some time cop characters, primarily being Ricky the horny boy. A very graphic VR machine sex scene. Another demo man overlap. I don't try to do this too often, but there's a choice IMDb trivia for that scene. Okay. The virtual reality nude scene was originally supposed to be a nature documentary about beavers. However, the off-site film team got drunk on the evening of shooting and ended up in a strip club. The next morning, they woke up realizing they had missed the bus to the nature reserve and had to instead film one of the dancers they had met in the club the night before. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) That is bananas. That's showbiz, baby. <laughs> and a fantastic line when John claude Van Damme catches this guy getting real horny at work, which try doing that at work these days, right? Uh, he <laughs> says, Damn it, Ricky, I catch you fucking this machine again, I'll break your neck. <sighs> Sorry, Chief. Looks like safe sex to me. Which is funny. But he was talking about beavers in reality? <laughs> oh, no. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, yeah, it, he didn't if, know. You, if you ask me, that scene's still about beavers. Well, there's a beaver in it. So there's a big time disturbance. There's 4.0 on registered time wave happening in 1994. And wouldn't you know it, it's happening in Washington, D.C., where Walker Prime previously lived. So I'm sure that won't come up at all. Walker's got a new partner for this. It's the internal affairs agent fielding. They're not sure that Walker is on the up and up after he went back and got his own partner. What blows my mind the most is we talk about the convenience of the timing of this trek back. He doesn't even seem to think about the fact that it's the day before his wife gets iced. You'd think it would cross his mind because he's somebody who's been dwelling on that day for 10 straight years. He's still got the picture in his fucking pocket. He wouldn't recognize the anniversary of that exact day. Exactly. From the day. There must be a scene of the boss and him sitting in a room like, I, I don't want to send you on this mission. I know what day that is. Blah, 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 blah. You can't do that scene must have just be on the cutting room floor, right? Also seems like a mistake for Matuzic to send him back while internal affairs is investigating him to the day before his wife gets killed. I mean, he knows his job is at risk at this point. So why wouldn't he do something stupid anyway? I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem to even cross his mind until much later whenever he sees his wife's blood, which has to be the most convenient scene in history at the hospital. Anyway, we'll get there. So Fielding's tagging along. It's a two person little plot. They're going to get launched back into space. Sam, there's a moment here during this time launch that I'm sure sent you over the edge. We get a Rocketeer style moment where Walker puts his black gum on the console of the time pod. Do you want to hear the IMDb trivia for that? While riding in the sled, which will transport him into the future, Jean-Claude Van Damme takes out a stick of black, black chewing gum, a Japanese brand. During 1994, Van Damme appeared in television commercials for black, black chewing gum in Japan. Oh, okay. So it's an Easter egg. Yeah. So it's a little cross promotion Easter egg. Yeah. There's a lot of product placement in this and some seven up ads and things like that. There's a couple of times when I saw some Bolivar watches. That was wild. Mm-hmm. They mess with Fielding and say that she looks like one of the Volmer twins. And there's like blood splattery things on the right on the launch bay that they're saying she looks like just to scare her and say she's going to die. And she's nervous during the launch. And Matuzic says that uh, she's so nervous that if she farts, she'll get ahead of the pod. She farts, she'll get ahead of the pod. But they finally do land in D.C. in water. Okay, and Jean-Claude Van Damme is frustrated that they would position them right over the water. And as soon as they get out of the water, Fielding says, So much for a dry run. That's bad, even by my standards. They do like a little interaction, too. It must just be so stilted because Jean-Claude's like struggling with the English because he's trying to tell her about the fact that like his wife died or whatever. She's asking him such weird pointed questions like, so you married? So you have a wife who died mysteriously? It felt really stilted, but they are on the way to the Parker Macomb data link building and Fielding mentions, oh, I don't remember Macomb. I thought it was just Parker. 
Which, why would she say that? I guess it was basically because they make a big point earlier in talking about Parker Data Link, how that's like the Microsoft of this world. If it was like micro Apple or something, I guess it's the inclination here. But we walk in on a scene where Parker, the Bill Gates character here, is buying Macomb, the senator, out because Macomb doesn't believe that Parker's going to be able to make any money off of this. And he's like totally wrong. It's like the monumental bad decision of bad decisions. It's like HP not listening to young upstart Steve Jobs. So Macomb has come back in time. Future Macomb. Macomb Prime has come back to talk to Macomb of the past and say like, hey, do not take this buyout. This is dumb. Stay in this company. It takes young Macomb way too long to realize he's talking to someone who looks identical to him with a little bit grayer hair. It's a real Biff Tannen scene here is what we got going on. This is a Biff Tannen situation. Yeah. Come here, you knucklehead. He should have realized it was himself. The one guy says, hey, who's this? Your dad? Oh, who is this guy? Who's this guy looks like you? He's just like an older version of you, maybe 10 years older. He seems to have a lot of insight about your particular life. He keeps telling you not to touch him. <laughs> yeah. Walker has come to thwart this strange scene and catch Macomb once and for all. But... He is himself thwarted because we come to find that Fielding, internal affairs, woman is on the take. She said that she's voting just really early. So she's assuming that she's going to get some manner of favor from the president. All this to say, while Walker's being double-crossed, there's a really cool line from one of the side characters, one of the little villains under Macomb. And he says, don't tell anyone I killed you. I'm out in bail. That's a really cool line. <laughs> There's a lot of really funny parts in this movie, honestly. It's a lot of fun. This fight scene here in the computer factory is a blast because Walker gets away from the initial altercation and is kind of running around picking these guys off one by one. Past McComb gets kicked in the face and future McComb gets a scar where he was kicked in the face. I thought that was pretty badass. And there's a great deal of explodey barrels, just like in Demolition Man. Why were all those inflammable barrels just around? I don't know. It's a computer factory. Here's a better question. After all the barrels explode, Walker's big move, he drives a forklift with two explosive barrels on it and lifts it up. He's hiding behind him. <laughs> the move was very cool. He like steers the forklifts and he wedges a thing down and then he raises it up and he gets on it. All very cool. And then it's explosive barrels. My brother, what are you doing? Another quick demolition man parallel. He freezes a guy's arm and then kicks that arm into shattered pieces. And it looked much better on this one than it did on Demolition. Yeah, it actually looked pretty cool. It looked painful. He says later, I should have told him that, like to chill out, right? I should have said freeze. And then McComb was like, I think he got the idea. <laughs> <laughs> that CG doesn't look half bad. It was pretty gnarly when the guy like turned and half his body was missing. That was pretty fucked up. They did a smart thing of not like zooming in on it, I think. The guy really sold it when he looked at his oh, missing body. His reaction really sells it. And all the stunt work in this is top notch. They do a lot of falling off building stunts and shit in this. And it's all very good. Right after Macomb executes his former business partner to make his old self the sole owner of this super revolutionary microchip, Walker says, Maybe he'll calm down after the election. <laughs> <laughs> They get away. Fielding gets popped by Macomb for her service. Macomb gets away. Through this all, though, they do find out Walker surmises where Macomb is doing his time launches through mm -hmm. because this is not a simple process. You need like a big rocket sled. You got to get up to 88 miles an hour. It's like a whole big thing. Confusing timeline stuff. Walker makes it back to present day 2004. Matuzik sees him. Matuzik. I was expecting him. He knew he was out on a mission. Who knows what mission he knew he was out on. It is now called Macomb Data Link or what have you. No longer Parker at all. So we're given to understand that Macomb knows that Walker is going to create a problem for him. Macomb owns this company, still has no problem with Walker being sent out on these missions <laughs> that will inevitably thwart his uh, evil plan. It just it's pretty odd. But I guess he doesn't remember that they were friends is one of the offshoots of this one. Matuzik is pretty cool because it does not take much for him to be convinced <laughs> of the fact that they were really good friends. And then ultimately, 
you just have to dunk on his wife's goulash and then he's like ah yeah ultimately culminates in him saying that he's had his wife's goulash a hundred times and every time it's too salty and i don't mind that the goulash is bad what i mind is how many times have they hung out that he's had her goulash a hundred times does she make goulash every time he comes over must be this is like oh walker's coming over goulash today maybe it's a leftovers thing I don't know. Why would he keep eating it? That's a good question. Why would he keep eating it if it's too salty? I don't know. I mean, if like a hundred times is like every spoonful. Every time I eat it, every every bite that goes to my mouth. A hundred times is a lot of times to be eating any one person's <laughs> goulash. <laughs> well, they worked together for 10 years. Now, consider his wife's been dead 10 years. Over the course of 10 years, how many times of goulash is that? That's 10 a year to have it a hundred times. That's still a lot of goulash. So every month they go over for goulash. About every month he has goulash at the Matusik house. Skips on Christmas, skips on Easter. Skips on Easter, yeah. <laughs> Dude. Anyway, I didn't know what goulash was for a long time, so I did Google it. It's like a macaroni and cheese with ground beef thing. Hamburger helper, basically. It's hamburger helper, yeah. It's like a Hungarian hamburger helper. I thought it was like a stew. It's like a stew with macaroni noodles. So yeah. not only is Matusik super hip to the fact that, yeah, I guess me and Walker must have been really good friends. I'm going to send them on this uber dangerous mission to catch my boss doing something evil, even though I know it's against the rules. He's made such a leap of faith because maybe because Walker is like the most charming man in the world. Do you think Matusik remembers what it's like to die? I don't know. He gets executed, but not before he's just basically lights two totally innocent soldiers on fire. He melts those yokels. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> he knows these men. This is his building. He knows these people. He knows these two. And he was like, with real glee lights them ablaze. I guess he knows if it works, they won't be really dead. They killed his salty goulash plug. So he kills them. Max does get away. Yeah, this is really wild. So what he wants to do is go back in time to find Fielding because Fielding doesn't appear to have died based on what he has searched for. So he gets back there. He sees Fielding. Fielding is all about testifying against McComb because McComb tried to kill her. Finally a witness. Yeah. So all he needs to do is go get some blood. And for whatever reason, I don't know how that proves anything. I need, I need proof that you were there. But like, if there's no proof that you existed. Yeah. But if there's no proof in the real world, proof that she existed can't possibly be enough to indict a senator. Nigh president. What is what are they comparing it to? Here's the unknown DNA. Like, OK, so just got to go get some blood while he's getting right. blood. As luck would have it, it was the same day his wife gave blood to find out she was pregnant. And he sees it in there that she's pregnant. Oh, makes sense. On the tube, he sees that she's pregnant. Test pregnant. Yes. So he sees his wife's blood, you know, because Fielding would be near the Walker blood. <laughs> the emergency room blood is right near the obstetrics as as we see it's right in the recent tests cooler because as we see she's there that day getting a blood test to determine if she is pregnant and it turns out that she is because we see her getting in her car leaving the hospital as walker goes in so i guess that's the conceit that they're in the same cooler because they both had blood tests run but i feel like the blood tests for pregnancy might be in a different place than like the tox screens for a random Jane Doe. Kind of loose. And also the fact that it took him 10 years to figure out that that was the important piece of information. He did not pick up on those cues. That they never find a body in the thing. I mean, there's lots of... That's something we'll talk about at the end. They don't find the body because... That's C4. Not only will it turn this house into dust but it will also separate every part of you from every other part of you. <laughs> but also the hospital had the blood test that you don't think that they would have mentioned. They were just like, oh, he doesn't need to know that now. She's dead. Throw that shit away. That could be it. Because of this convenient finding, he decides to hell with the rules. Matuzik is dead. Everything is going to all hell. I might as well go and try to save my wife. He finds his wife at the mall and she doesn't recognize him. The only thing separating him from him is these clip-on mullet extensions. Well, she recognizes him until he turns around, and then she says, what's happened to you? 
he has a very specific accent. He should have done a split to prove it was him. It's very good. This scene is weird because at the very end of it, he kisses his old wife, knowing for a fact that he himself is coming around the bend to interact with her. I get it. It's been 10 years. You've seen your wife afresh. She's alive. You're filled with emotion. But that's a heck of a roller coaster for her. She just found out she was pregnant, like literally a minute ago. Right. So now we're to the funniest part of this whole entire movie, in my opinion. In my opinion, we are now at the very beginning where she's just had sex with him 10 years earlier. We're at that very point. And I wrote, given the knowledge that the house is going to explode, he lets them come very close to death. (laughs) Whenever he could just be like, yeah, don't go home today. Gives them as little information as possible. Not even that, like, get out of town. Maybe he's just worried that he wouldn't get laid that one time if they didn't go home. Right, he needs that memory still. He doesn't want to delete that. Is that was really that was really great. She let him do that one thing. His spank bank. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is, he's like, I know the important thing you were going to tell me. Why didn't you tell him like me back then? So he still makes it her fault that she didn't tell him that she was pregnant, even though he was like, don't even tell me right now. I have to go to work. Then he doesn't tell her, keep them upstairs. There are people coming to kill you. He just says, go upstairs. Just don't let her come downstairs. There's so little said about what he's going to do to make everything right. What he knows is coming. What he knows is about to happen. He doesn't tell her anything. The day he's been thinking about every day since the last 10 10 years. years. (laughs) This is the plan. This is what you tell her to do. Just stay upstairs. Speaking of knowing it's coming, he goes out the door. This time he's not surprised by the guy's kick to the face. He surprises that guy. But that guy says, Who the fuck are you? Friend of the family. He's the same guy that you have been sent to kill. That you just saw at the mall earlier that day. Whose house you were there, you're trying to get him. Whose house you're at. (laughs) Identical. It was a good thing I turned my brain off. You've been staking out for hours. You've waited for him to complete his coitus before killing him. (laughs) Very kind, I thought. Nice. Nice of you. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Nice. 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 And then we cut to a very dark fight. Uh, Extremely dark. The rest of the movie is extremely dark. There's like some roof antics, a lot of running around and chasing. The siege has begun. A couple of bad guys get shot in the dick. Shotgun castration. There's much danger. The wife is on the roof, which could mean that this was all in vain. She's hanging off the weather vane. Pretty good. (laughs) Pretty good. Way to go, Sam. Love that for me. Sam, we should go back in time and, and not do that one. <laughs> I can do that, but I won't. <laughs> so we get a little check off roof gun. Yeah. So that's the second man who loses his wiener to gunfire. <laughs> I really enjoy the Macomb line about his fancy kicking. You're a fucking idiot. He never figured out that the only way to make anything of himself with all that fancy kicking is on Broadway. Broadway. <laughs> Very good. Love that. Walker Prime and New Walker are both doing okay. New Walker gets blasted and thrown off the roof. There's a certain conceit here, and it's that Jean-Claude Van Damme was able to convince his secretary that (laughs) he needed to go to this one guy's house for McComb to drop everything, cancel all of his meetings, and go to Walker's house. Jean-Claude Van Damme was able to leave this message. In fairness, the last thing that happened, he just got the bandage, the scar bandaged up. He goes to his office. His his assistant hands him a thing that says, it's me. Go to this address right now. Stop everything. Okay. I assumed it was a voice message. I just met myself. Of a guy with this Brussels accent that he had just heard like a day before. She was a shitty secretary. But he said, like, have you ever been inside of, like, Air Force One or whatever? And she was like, no. And it's like, I'll take a picture for you later. Because <laughs> she's a bad secretary. She gets him killed. She's the real hero. We get both McCombs in the same situation. Mm-hmm. We've got two Walkers. We've got two McCombs. One Melissa and a bunch of dead goons. McComb Prime's got Melissa. They're about to blow up the building. Yeah, they're about to blow up the building with C4. 
Macomb Prime is ready to blow himself up because he knows himself will go on and be president. There's nothing stopping him now, except for the fact that he's there now. Yes. And a great way to get some separation between Melissa and Macomb, Van Damme makes subtle points to his own wiener. So Melissa's like, oh, he wants me to hit Macomb's wiener, and that'll be what gets me the separation I need. No, he was doing three, two, one. And he had she... his hands in his belt, and then he was counting down, and he said, like, three, two, one. Then she hit his wiener. That could be. I think we're both right. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying it was a countdown for a dick punch. I think he's pointing his fingers down to his wiener, doing a three, two, one. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, you're <laughs> right. He was pointing at his, he was counting towards his wiener, and then she does, like, a face-off move to give them an opening. And uh, then kicks, they, yeah, um, Walker kicks the McCombs together and they turn into a CGI goop mess. Yes, an amorphous blob of goo. That was the worst. No, I think it looked pretty good. I couldn't turn my brain off enough for that. I thought it looked terrible. Consider it's 1994. Looked pretty solid. Why goop them? It looked stupid, but I didn't care about it. There was like a mouth, like a muscle mouth. That was pretty cool. The thing that I thought was stupid was the big stain it left on the floor. Here's what I think is stupid, okay? Everything works. So Walker goes back to 2004. Matusiak lives. Thank God for that. But he mentions Macomb, and Matusiak's like, Macomb? Well, why? Macomb left his office, canceled all his meetings, and disappeared. And to that I say, Why do you know that? His secretary knows exactly where he was going. The house exploded. (laughs) Seems like they know what happened to him. Did the house still explode? His bones would be there. There'd be so many bones. Well, he's just goo. No bones. Oh, yeah, that's right. But he should have said, like, oh, what are you talking about, Macomb? Last we know, he was headed to your house when it exploded. (laughs) Come to think of it, I have some questions about that. He was a senator in good standing. Seemed like he was part of this Parker Macomb data link. Lots of questions. Um... They don't go back far enough for it to just be called Parker data link. Parker's still dead. He died before that. Well, it was right before they got popular. He died right before they got popular in this world. Like, that was like the day before it blows off. Okay, so they just kept his name on it? My big question, Walker goes back. He, you know, saves the day. Like a lot of the movies that we've seen, um, I kept a track, and it, the timer was accurate to the explosion in real time yet again. Uh, so good on you, Time Cup. But when Walker goes back, things have gone back to normal, seemingly, except for... No one knows about Macomb and Melissa lived. So how is he going to play this? Because he has no memory of the first 10 years of his child's life or the last 10 years of their life together. Does he come clean with that? Does he just try to fake it? He has to because he also has been living with that trauma. What happened to the old consciousness that that person is basically dead? He erased him. Has Melissa been fearing this day whenever he would come back a stranger to her? Because he knows that he will. But she must know, yeah. One day he's going to go out on a mission, he's going to come back and not have any idea about anything that happened since the house exploded. I mean, he was just chill with it. Well, what mission was he on in that universe? Like, what mission did... I mean, she doesn't know anything about any of his missions, I suppose. This is a way darker movie than I thought it was going to be. It's extremely dark. The ending is very dark. Like, I was just thinking, like, oh, he basically stole his life from himself. He killed the old him. He's unrecognizable to Melissa. They, they are not going like she's going to notice that he's a totally different man than the man she's been living with for the last 10 years. But she does rem- remember that version of him from 10 years ago. Of course. Yes. And she knows that there's a Walker Prime out there somewhere. And then someday is it the day that he grew the mullet? And she was like, the time has come. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He did not have a mullet when he left for this mission. He came back with a mullet. I don't know. Well, but that's it. I mean, that's basically the end of Time Cop. That's the bleak Black Mirror ending of Time Cop. Senator McComb did a pig. That's a different different ending of Black Mirror. (laughs) So, yeah, um, I think it's about time we snap back to the future. What is the present in this comic convergence? I guess it beats the alternative where he's dead and she's dead. You know, this is like the second best reality. She probably has a tape prepared. Like, this is what happened. Like a my life situation. 
But he should know too. He becomes a time cop. He knows that he came back as a time cop and saved his life. He's, he knows too that someday I'm going to forget everything about my kids. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe she's like, are you good? No? Okay, good. Because we have this video series for you to watch that you've been creating over the last 10 years. We know you've got the camcorder. We know you like to record things. Watch this. It'll bring you pretty much back up to speed with where we're at. Every single video ends in sex, so yeah, you'll still be interested in it. So Junior's graduation video is a little tricky from kindergarten. <laughs> this convergence is a little tricky to narrow down. You might get confused because there's a lot of time cop media out there. We've got the 94 movie. We've got the 97 and 98 series. There's also the comic adaptation of the movie, the original, though, was a three-part story published in Dark Horse Comics, which was an anthology series published from August to October of 1992, which was the basis for the film Time Cop. It is a story about a, a walker who is the titular Time Cop. There is mention of a lost love, in this case, a Linda. Everything is basically the same except for the look. It's kind of like a Chris Claremont 90s look. He's got shoulder pads and big goggles. Looks pretty cool. The comics in general are good. It's a a story of someone who goes back in time to find a like basically a Hope Diamond situation. And they take a robot with them. And Time Cop doesn't kill the robot and has to go back eventually to fix the mess he made. Pretty cool. I would love to see that movie where Time Cop was like fallible. He messed up and has to go back and fix his bad mission. Well, you can check it out. It's on uh, Read uh, Comics Online. You could just search for Time Cop and it'll come up under Dark Horse Comics. A lot of sequels for this one. It was very popular. I think they're making a Jewish sequel too called L'Chaim Top. Stupid. That'd be good. That'd be good. I'm looking forward to that. L'Chaim Cop is what I meant to say. L'Chaim Top makes it more sexual. <laughs> That's the parody, obviously. <laughs> it's good to have them both on deck. You have to. Time Cop did hit number one at the box office. Its budget was uh, $27 million. The opening weekend was $12 million. And the final worldwide gross, $101 million. So, yeah, pretty good multiplier on this. Jean-Claude Van Damme was a big star. Critically, didn't do so well. Rotten Tomatoes has this one at a measly 42%. Audience score, audience really letting me down here. It's only got this at 36%. Cruel. Cruel, I say. Yeah, I think these people were watching it thinking too hard. Well, I was watching it from a purely enjoyment standpoint, but that's not to say I wasn't noticing things that uh, I enjoyed and disliked. And I was thinking maybe we could personify some of those um, areas of like and dislike into two choices to determine who would be our figurative hero and villain. In a segment I'd like to call, who's your hero? Who's your villain? My hero is Matusiak. Okay. I didn't have a lot planned, so you had to let me go first on this one. Very bad at his job, but very good at being a conveniently good friend to a man he barely knows and insulted his wife. <laughs> I, I gave him all the credit in the world. He was willing to die for this man just because he said, like, no, we're we're buddies. Yep. Pretty good. That's a good one. My hero is the splits. Uh just the concept of the splits. Uh-huh. Uh it saved lives multiple times in this movie. One of the best Super Bowl ads ever as well. I'd I'd go ahead and say. No joke. My hero is gonna be an a, normally an unsung hero. But I picked it solely because of his name. I don't know anything other than this man's name, but it makes him my hero. It's the first assistant director on this film. That's Jack Frost Sanders. Whoa. (laughs) Jack Frost worked on this one. Nice. Yeah, Jack Frost Sanders, the first assistant director. Yeah. That was a credit that um, I enjoyed almost as much as the the whole movie. As far as villains go, I'm going to pull a Sam here, I think. And I'm going to go with old Walker. Uh, He had a lot of knowledge in that last home invasion and gave none of it. 
That's definitely a good one. Not even a stitch. All he said was, trust me, I have an extra bulletproof vest. Put this on. Yeah, he knew for a fact people were coming to murder them, and he gave them no information. So that makes him a villain. He also kissed her at the mall. That's fucked up. That was weird. I didn't like that. My villain is Melissa's mom jeans at the end of the movie. <laughs> they were terrible. I absolutely hated her dress, the way she was dressed at the end of the movie. The sweater. It was so bad. It's classic 2004 <laughs> fashion. <laughs> First, I'm going to have to go with a second hero before I can do villain because there's a guy tied to this, Mike Richardson, and his filmography is stellar. He's tied to Dr. Giggles, The Mask, Time Cop, Barb Wire. Those are his first four producer credits. And those are all going to be movies we do. Mystery Men will do. Hellboy. I mean, this dude is probably the most prolific for us. But my villain's just got to be the time logic. I mean, it, it, it bums me out that him coming back at the end is going to erase a man who he cuckolded at the mall. Yeah. <laughs> cuckheld? Cuckolded? And, yeah. Cuckheld. <laughs> he did do that thing. It's interesting that you bring up Dr. Giggles because in the issue that has Time Cup, the final full page ad at the end was for Dr. Giggles, the movie. Phenomenal indeed. 92, baby. Okay, well, I think that'll pretty much wrap it up for Time Cop. Would you recommend folks check out Time Cop? Uh, I am a celebrant of JCVD's whole catalog, honestly. Of all of the action stars, I find that for whatever reason, even his worst movies are worth watching. And this one is actually just not too bad. <laughs> all things considered i like a time travel flick this is only my second john claude van damme you should see jcvd i feel like that was a good movie that didn't get its due where he plays himself and out of luck john claude van damme i'm here for it but uh but yeah i mean I, I like time travel stories even though i did have a slight beef with not being able to go into the future erasing a man's past a lot of really strange happenstances that you have to suspend a great deal of disbelief for but that's what we're in it for and i think as Dave said, if you're willing to go ahead and turn your head off, it's a pretty enjoyable flick. I would recommend this to anybody who's not going to be a dick about it. You know what I mean? Like, you got to know that this is just an action movie. It's It has funny parts. It has dope-ass fights. It has some pretty cool effects for 1994. I think this is just all around a fun time. It has some of the best lines for a movie of its ilk for what could be considered an action flick for the sake of it. The C4 line, I think, is cold as hell. Don't tell anyone I killed you is a great line. I mean, there's just arguing with myself kind of lines like Ron Silver is amazing. Yes, this is a tour de force. He's putting on such a show. And honestly, it's worth it to watch it because this is one of the best villain performances I have ever seen in an action movie. That guy is great. He beats up his assistant. He like makes some flinch while eating those peanuts. Honestly, the Ron Silver performance here is enough for me to recommend this movie. And this movie, it's not amazing, but it is so extremely proficient. It is exactly a 90s action movie, and it is perfect for that. I think you could sit down and watch this now, and it won't feel dated. It won't feel strange. They don't make these movies unless they're making fun of themselves anymore, but I think the, the story is pretty compelling. The, the Back to the Future with guns aspect is um pretty great. I would suggest this movie, honestly. I think this is a fun watch. Maybe maybe don't pay for it to rent it. Yeah, don't do that. Unless this is a fond memory for you. In that case, it does hold up. If this was like one of your favorite action movies as a kid, definitely check this out because you'll be surprised. It wasn't just a moment in time. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, but do be aware, don't watch this with the like, you know, with the in-laws or whatever, because there's 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 a lot of gratuitous nudity you can't go back <laughs> no <laughs> there's no tec to keep you from watching history of violence with your family <laughs> <laughs> or that eastern promises <laughs> it was history of violence either way you're getting carnal knowledge of vega mortensen <laughs> indeed he's an extremely sexual man and that's <laughs> why hidalgo hidalgo <laughs> killed itself <laughs> I did not like the part of Hidalgo where you have full carnal knowledge of Vigo Morris. Yeah. It's a tough times. It's tough. To I mean, it's a touchstone. You wouldn't expect that from a Disney, but hey. Uh, well, thank you 
so much for sticking around. Thank you, Hidalgo, for your brave sacrifice. <laughs> also, thank you to our kind patrons for making this kind of stuff possible. I mean, you're paying actual real money for us to do this, and we uh, couldn't uh, be happier. Thank you to the cast and crew of Time Cop. Jean-Claude, great work. Jean-Claude Van Damme's balls, even better work. Love to see him. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out. Spread the word. Tell a friend. Let some put this on the car uh, when you're taking someone somewhere, uh, regardless of the event. You're taking your mom to, to the doctor's office for that procedure she's been worried about. Throw on an episode of Neuroflex. <laughs> There's the 4.3 ripple. You dri- you're driving to Great Aunt Gertrude's funeral with uh, with Uncle Sal in the back. Might I suggest the Elasma Branchii Facts episode? <laughs> Throw on the Swamp Thing episode. They're going to love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's great. It's great. It's good for the friends, family. I mean, your fun family, at least. Uh, but please spread the word. Shark Week. Help us out on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Shark Week is big for us. So if not, that's coming up. Oh, shit. You know, spread the word if you can on Twitter. If you got a lot of followers, uh, throw us a like and uh, reach out to our social media manager. He's the he's he's the TEC to our tweets. It's Dave. Yeah, hit me up at NerdplexyPod on Twitter uh, and at the face of Dave. And I, I would love to hear what you think about time travel movies. Uh, love them or hate them, they they definitely are here to stay. Uh, problems and all. I mean, Looper basically yelled at everybody for thinking too hard. Uh, so tell me what you think. Share your quantum physics dilemmas with Sam over at BGH underscore SVH. Uh, hit me up with your review of Time Cup over at read underscore Nerdoplexy on Letterboxd to let me know what you thought of Time Cop and um, join us for the next episode where we'll be discussing something or other on that mini episode. Until we meet again, we'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder i found a pretty good fact on imdb trivia which i think fits this it's maybe one of the worst imdb trivia facts i've ever seen okay i'm intrigued you have my attention sir another movie where ron silver's character wears a suit (laughs) (laughs) another one yep i can't believe it another one Oh, man. IMDb Trivia had a field day with that one. Can't carbon date gold, first of all. Secondly, if it time traveled, it wouldn't be old. That made me so mad. <laughs> they got the, IMDb got in that ass, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go.